Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. Jokic behind his back. What a take by Jokic. Hey, Nuggets Nation. You're listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Now, here's your hosts, the Denver Stiffs. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Podcast. We are back. We are whew, recovering from uh, from a long draft night just a few nights ago, uh, preparing ourselves now for the the upcoming free agency storm, which is now just man, just even a few days away. Not even a, not even a full week. It should it'll kick off, I think, Friday night. Um, free agency gets going, so. We are, without further ado, we are going to want to get into this one. I am joined tonight by uh, our, our our resident draft expert, Mr. Ryan Blackburn. Ryan, um, great coverage on the draft. How are uh, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Zach. How are you guys doing? Well, you know, we can't, uh, well, I can't complain other than, you uh, I complain about the draft, oh, yeah, some... but you know. <laughs> right. I was going to say that would be the uh, that would be where I could complain a little bit, which we'll get into. And then, of course, as you hear, Mr. Gordon Gross from Colorado Springs is back again. Gordon, what's going on, buddy? Not too much. Uh, managed to you know get a little sleep after the ridiculous draft night, and uh, now we're back for some other discussion. Exactly. Like I um. So we're recording this. It's Sunday night. Uh, the draft was, of course, Thursday night. I think I probably didn't catch back up really with my sleep cycle until uh, until today. I probably didn't get. I don't think I got to sleep till about like three a.m. that night. It was a uh, it was a rough one, um, a bit of a whirlwind. And we, I want to get into it. Um, I also want to talk about, of course, the big thing that happened on draft night: Jimmy Butler going to a a division rival, no less, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, I want to talk about how that affects the Nuggets. Maybe what the Nuggets could have or did maybe we can speculate on what they might have tried to do to get Jimmy Butler. Um, and then, of course, today we have huge rumors again on the trade market. This time, Kevin Love, the Nuggets, uh, rumored to be talking with the Cleveland Cavaliers and Indiana Pacers on a three-team deal. Would send Paul George to the Cavs, Kevin Love to the Nuggets. And then finally, as we were saying, we're going to get into free agency here. It is going to be coming up. Uh, on Friday, well, technically Saturday, Friday at midnight um, is when free agency starts. And the Nuggets, Nuggets got work to do. 
by their own front office's admission. So with that said, let's get into it, guys. I want to start with the NBA draft. Um, <laughs> I guess. Ryan, I, I want to ask your opinion first, man. What, what happened on the on draft night, do you think, with the Nuggets? Because I, I guarantee you it did not go to plan. No, absolutely. I would... I would start by saying a couple of things. The Nuggets had huge plans on draft night, as, as was, was evident in their post-game presser. Uh, it's definitely difficult to say that they accomplished those plans, and by their own admission, they did not accomplish those plans. It seems like they had a trade lined up on draft night. Uh, speculation as to who that was with, though it seems to have come out that there were draft night talks between the Cavs, Pacers, and Nuggets. Uh, right. So we'll, we could go into that later, but to me, it seems like the Nuggets went in with the expectation that they wouldn't be at the 13th pick and on the clock, and then they were on the clock, and <laughs> they then got a call from the Utah Jazz that the Jazz wanted to go up and acquire Donovan Mitchell. They were offered Trey Lyles in the 24th pick, and the Nuggets saw that as a pretty solid value. And I still see that as a solid value, too. But then you you start getting into these roster construction uh, building block things, and to me, the Nuggets, after missing out on that big trade, uh, or potentially multiple big trades, that they were kind of left without a plan, were forced to draft based on best player available. They had Tyler Lydon as their best player available at that point, and, well, they just acquired Trey Lyles. So it looks a little bit bad from hindsight, but uh, individually, kind of in a vacuum, I can see why they made each of those decisions. Yeah, and I, 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 I agree. I, t- I think, I, think my, I, I see kind of a similar timeline unfolding for them. I kind of thought... Um, whether, I think you're right, whether it was maybe a, a deal with Cleveland in, in Indiana, a deal with, uh, we heard, of course, there was the rumor about uh, Emmanuel Moutier in the 13th pick for Eric Bledsoe. Uh, there was rumors about the Nuggets being involved in discussions for Jimmy Butler. Uh, whether it was any one of those trades, obviously Tim Connolly uh, said after after the draft <clears throat> that they had been, that they were right there at the at the half-yard line, as he put it. Uh, and, and a team had a change of heart, so that that's I, I agree with you there. I think that's kind of what happened at thirteen is they had they had this deal lined up. They thought it was done. It doesn't it doesn't go down. I think at that point, <clears throat> obviously the Nuggets were probably taking a lot of calls. Uh, I think that at that point the next best thing they probably had was the trade that they took, which was which was uh, Trey Lyles and, and the 24th pick for the 13th. I think at that point, I, I do think this, I do think the Nuggets were targeting OG Ananobi, um, and, and I think that they thought they could get him at 24 when they moved back, and then, of course, he goes number 23, and then I think, honestly, I think so, then they're caught there again, right? First time they're caught at 13, when the trade falls through, they don't know what to do. They take the next best thing, which was this this trade offer from Utah. Then they're at 24. They're getting ready. They think, okay, great, we're still going to get OG. Uh, then he goes at 23, and they're stuck suddenly on the clock again. They don't know what to do. I think they, just as you said, Ryan, I think they look up at the board and they say, oh, uh, Tyler Lydon's the next the next highest guy on our board. I guess we'll just we'll take him. We'll just go best player available. When they talked about uh, that's, on that's... draft night, they talked about how they there was some disagreement in the room. Um, a divided yeah, room, as Tim Connolly put that's, it. That's what he said. And, you know, I don't know if they're speaking specifically about the 13th pick. 
if they're speaking about the you know the twenty fourth pick, but or the trade, yeah, or the trade. But in whatever way they were talking, um, I don't think they're all on board. If you look at how long it took them to pick Ferguson, uh, I thought they were gonna trade again, or Wyden rather. Uh, when they Leiden, when they had Wyden, um, it took them forever to make that pick, um, or at least for it the pick to be announced. And so I was I was half expecting another trade, and they may have had another offer. Um, yeah, I think they might have been exploring other deals, certainly. Right. So it, it, there was a lot of confusion and a lot of I don't know second guessable choices, and they were second guessing themselves. So. It's not like we shouldn't be second-guessing them. They obviously looked in the mirror on draft night and second-guessed themselves. Right. Yeah, I... I don't know. I think... <clears throat> I don't know if they, they second-guessed themselves or they just, like... I, I just think they just got caught off guard. It, it, it's it's rare to say with this front office because they've always been so prepared. Um, and and maybe, maybe I think that's... Maybe Our that, Turks might have pointed into it, they, though. Like, that his... Keeping him away from the draft room for a while while he was getting um, all right. of that stuff with uh, Milwaukee, um, if that maybe hurt them on their flexibility and their ability to bounce between options because not everybody was on the same page because they'd had to leave some people out of the loop, that could be a thing too. Right. Yeah, and you know the thing is that uh, you wonder if maybe Arturis and, and Connolly, it just maybe this was something that they didn't agree on. Right. Um, was at 13 because Tim Connolly definitely said it. I mean, this was, I asked him specifically, I said, you know, you, a lot of mock drafts had you taken OG and Anobia at number 13. What made you, what was your thinking behind instead of taking, getting Trey Lyles um, at that spot? And he said that they felt, they just felt like that there wasn't a big talent drop off between 13 and 24. But he also specifically mentioned, he said, you know, so what do you do? He said we can move back and try and get two assets in one, or you know we can stay at thirteen and we can divide the room. So he very much, I think, very much was saying that the Nuggets were um, were were divided in their decision making about about taking OG at number thirteen, and that some people wanted to do it, and, and obviously some people didn't. Well, and I, uh, I at agree least that's, with the that's other half of the room, man. Said. Like you know me, I I don't I don't like their excuse that uh, well you know we're gonna have to get better defensive. Uh, output from the guys that we got when you added non-defensive guys to a non-defensive locker room and then you're like well our defense will just improve organically okay you know yeah good luck yeah i think i think they know though that they got some work to do there in terms of of uh, tweaking this roster at least um let me ask you guys though so they pick up ryan i'll, I'll ask you first minute. So they pick up trey lyles uh at, at number basically at number thirteen to move back. Um, what what are your thoughts on him? Because he's not. I mean, when I look at Trey Lyles, I don't think he's a, a terrible prospect. Uh, I don't think that's a terrible asset to pick up. It's Gordon. <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't think so. I think that there's there's a lot of skill when you when you're talking about Trey Lyles, you're talking about a guy who hasn't received a lot of opportunity to develop in Utah. Uh, they added Boris Diaw and Joe Johnson, who they slid to the four. They added uh, a couple of other guys. They still have Derek Favors in there. They like to play Gordon Hayward small sometimes. They have Joe Ingles. And they, they're a team that was really gunning for the playoffs and decided to forego uh, 
developing their current assets. And you saw that with Dante Exum as well at the point guard position. So I definitely think that this could be a a situation where he was kind of left in the, in the rubble, like a Will Barton type. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now that he's reaching a different team, he could definitely provide a large impact. I don't know how large that impact is on the current Nuggets roster, but if the weeds are thickened a little bit, then maybe he receives a 20-minute-per-game backup role. And I, I still like his skill set, especially next to a guy like Nikola Jokic, because he can still take guys off of the dribble. He's still a shooter. Uh, he The numbers didn't translate this year, but a lot of that had to do with the in-and-out minutes that he was playing. So right. you really have to just factor in the skills that he had, the skills that he had coming out of college in order to make that judgment. So I think that that's what Tim Connolly and Code did. Yeah, and I, 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 I agree with you. I think I actually like Trey, Trey Lyles quite a bit coming out of the draft. Um, he is, you know, he... <laughs> He reminds you a lot of Darrell Arthur, in a sense, on, on offense. He's really like a, just the, the traditional power forward type. With, with He's got range out to that three-point line. Um, he, can, he can work in the post with his, with his back to the basket. He likes to, he likes to do that drop step to his, to his right shoulder um, quite a bit. And he's 21 years old, you know, he's, he's definitely got, got upside. I mean, but I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think at this point, like, like his absolute ceiling, like if it, if you were to hit jackpot on this, I think as you're looking at a guy who like has like LaMarcus Aldridge today, not, not even LaMarcus Aldridge five years ago. I'm talking like LaMarcus Aldridge today type of skill. You know what I mean? A guy who maybe at best can average you like 15 points, um, a game. Gordon, what did you think about Trey Lyles? I I'm a doubter. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I, I like you said, his upside is Darrell Arthur's offense if he can shoot the three consistently, which he has not yet done. He didn't do it in college either. Right. So you're talking about a guy who has, uh, I mean, good footwork. He can do. He he, he can be crafty. Uh, but I mean, Darrell Arthur always plays defense, so you're giving me half of Darrell Arthur. Like, I don't know how you spin that as anything other than a um a bench player. You know, at the end of like near the end of your bench, he's an eighth, ninth man. I don't understand why you're spending draft capital to go get that guy because that's if he works out. Like he didn't work out for Utah; they had no problem coughing him up. Um, right. so I don't, we're talking, Hey, we're talking about a guy though, who's still 21 years old. Oh no, he's young. He's yeah. And he's absolutely like, you compare him to a guy like Tyler Lydon and he's very similar in age, like to a guy like that. He also has a seven, one wingspan. He still has a, the physical profile to be a pretty solid power forward in today's NBA. And he also shoots 40% from three from the corners. So not necessarily yes. above the break guy, right. but he's somebody who can operate out of the short corner, or he's he's definitely more of an offensive role player as opposed to a like like a Fareed as opposed to a focal point like a Wilson Chandler. Right, but he still uh, can't. He still doesn't defend, and he doesn't. He's not yeah. a big rebounder, and he doesn't like it. You're you're asking me to to buy in on a guy who is an offensive role player and nothing else, and I don't know how to do that. Like I don't know how you find time for that guy. Like you said, especially I guess I'm probably still looking at it from the point of view of this roster has absolutely no room for him. So 
two days from now, maybe they find 15 minutes a game for this guy off the bench, you know, getting Wancho-like minutes from this year. I don't know. But it it's not something I would have been striving for in a draft deal. You know, that's if you get that as a throw-in, I understand it, but it wasn't a throw-in. It was the point. You know, right. it was the yeah, point of popping up the 13. And I don't think that you should ever be like, well, sure, I'm willing to move back in a draft in which, you know, there's plenty of decent talent, but I'm going to get out of that range. Uh, and I'm going to go back in order to make sure I pick up a guy who who has role player potential. That That's just weird to me. It just, I don't Again, know. Again, we're... We're talking about it from hindsight at this point. Yeah, if yeah. they actually, if they thought that we're getting OG Ananobi at 24, if that was some, some intel that they had, and I mean, to be fair, they did almost get him. Like, he was at 23. Right. right. If Toronto doesn't make that move and they get OG, then it's really different because then you are talking about Trey Lyles as a throw-in to the OG Ananobi deal. Correct. You got OG and something instead of just OG, which would be interesting. And you got OG cheaper because he's on a, a later first-round, you know... Uh, contract anyway but i do agree with you in that a guy like lyles at this current moment doesn't project as a guy who's going to be a rotation piece it's what you're looking at down the line if you can get him on a very cheap second contract based off of where he's playing right now then that's that's definitely intriguing to me yeah it's a development developmental deal for sure go ahead go ahead man I would say I think the other thing you get about Trey Lyles is he definitely gives you some more flexibility now in in this trade market in the sense that you could definitely give up um, if you're if you're gonna go after a guy like Kevin Love you can definitely give up Kenneth Fareed uh, in that that deal and not worry about it. you could give up potentially Kenneth Fareed and Wilson Chandler in that deal and not really have to worry too much because you know hey if I'm getting Kevin Love back as my starting power forward I can bring Trey Lyles as the backup that's a fairly uh, I mean, Trey Lyles, Kevin Love, fairly similar style players. Uh, it, it works in there. He gives you, I think, you know, and you can feel fine with that. You can feel fine with him being, like you guys said, the eighth or ninth guy in rotation. So I think he does, he can be a rotation piece. Um, he's a backing guy, though. You guys are right. I mean, he's going to play 20 minutes a game uh, at the most. And, uh, you know, you hope you get 10 points out of him. I think, I think what, what all of us would say is that it's just, again, it's a, not an offense or a defensive player. And that's when they, when they so clearly needed to upgrade their defense, they, they didn't do anything. And that's what's, what really compounds it is the next thing that they did right after, of course, OG goes at 23. And, and I totally agree with you guys. I've been saying this. If you, if you if he gets Trey Lyles and OG Ananobi, it's a great move by Connolly. Sure. Everybody's talking about hey, how look how smart Connolly is. He still got his guy, plus he got an extra asset. It didn't work out that way, and like I said, I think they just ended up taking the best guy they had or the top guy they had on their board. They went just straight one hundred percent best player available. Um, and that that what, what what the problem is they picked Tyler Lydon, who's also fairly similar to Trey Lyles uh, in terms of. Of a, of a, what type of player he is and plays the same position. So right. now you've got, um, now you've got all these kind of. I guess what do you, Gordon? What do you what do you think about Leiden? I mean, is is do you think Leiden? Uh, where where does he project? What what is his like long term ceiling? Is he another guy who you look at like his ceiling is maybe a eighth or ninth uh, guy off the bench, yeah, or eighth, yeah. yeah, or eighth or ninth guy. My problem with it, yeah, I don't, I don't understand Leiden yet as a player. Like I don't. It's very hard to, to extrapolate his defensive capabilities from what he did in college. 
the right. I mean the Syracuse is so it famous for that, that zone. zone. Uh, right. There's in baseball, you you don't ever draft Stanford hitters because they make them play the Stanford way, and it destroys them as hitters. Same thing in in Syracuse. You don't defend you don't draft defenders from Syracuse because they can't defend in the NBA. They spend years not doing it, um, and it destroys them as as defensive you know capable players. It, it's just not a good plan. So even if he he does have some defensive skills, I'm not. He's got some jumping. He could he can block a little bit, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, if he's in the right spot. But he's he's got slow feet. I don't like well, him well, for all sorts of stuff. So, I mean, he's one of the things though that the, that zone does somewhat translate to on defense is he he could be a decent weak side help defender. Uh, rim protector, which I think is really what the best you can kind of hope for. Him well, that's what they're hoping for. Yeah, side. with him, they're they're hoping for some some weak side shot blocking. Um, they want him to you know back cut for some open dunks. They would like him to right. do well, some offensive putbacks. He's really good at that. Um, I mean that's well, and he can shoot. Well, and he can, he shoots threes, but he only shoots open threes. Like that's he is an open shooter. So not a bad guy to put next to Jokic. Then, well, right, right. but I mean, that's what I'm saying is you're you're gonna stick him out on the short corner, and you're gonna or you know, or rather on the like on the corner three, and you're gonna say here just mm-hmm. just take this shot, take it from the the corner of the arc, take it from the the corner three, and and you're just gonna go out there and and you try to have him shoot open shots, but then on the other side, I still don't know who he defends. So he's for me, he's a bench player. In which case, you don't play him next to Jokic. In which case, I don't know what he's doing. So he's a tough fit for me, man. I don't know. We're really gonna have to watch him in summer league and see how he develops. You know, get him some athleticism with uh, you know Steve Hess and see what happens. But it, for me, he's he's a bench shooter. He's a seventh eighth guy. You're bringing him in to score against lesser defenders. You know, maybe defend lesser scorers, and then you see what happens. Yeah, I think. I mean, ideally with him, you're hoping you can develop him. Really, you gotta hope that you can somewhat develop him to learn how to play man um, defense effectively. Which he said, you know, it's funny on the on the conference call. He said, uh, you know, they, they practice man defense every day. So he, yeah, I heard he's, that he's gonna be just fine, right? But um, yeah, uh, the Nuggets practice it every be, day too, but they weren't fun. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> uh, but uh, I think that's your hope, though, because if you can teach him, if he can defend specifically, if he can defend power forwards. Uh, then he 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 profiles to be a pretty decent guy to put next to. Uh, he's so, he's Jokic, so but... light in the pants, though, man. Like you watch him get yeah, backed down by footwork, like six foot his seven. His defensive dudes. footwork is really oh, bad. Yeah, I mean it's just really bad. So I don't know. Then that's uh, that would be my. It's, it's development again. We're talking developmental. It's the one thing Denver's been really good at. You know, Moutier aside, it's the one thing they've been really good at. Right. So we'll see. Right. They may know something you know, that we don't know. You know who he reminds me of a little bit is is maybe he's like his ceiling might be like Ryan Anderson, you know. Yeah, but Ryan Anderson rebounded like it. it Wyden, That's true. Wyden, I mean, Wyden does put back, so he does. He's okay on the offensive end. He crashes the glass, is what he does. But you know, securing rebounds and and boxing guys out, yeah, that he's that's not his game, man. That's not his thing. Ryan, I want your thoughts, man. What did you think of Wyden? Uh oh, here, let me just check this uh this rebounding rate <laughs> just so I can confirm. Okay. Um, yeah, out of college, it wasn't like Ryan Anderson was that much of a better rebounder than Tyler Lydon was. He's probably a little bit bigger, so that definitely helped him out of college, and that's definitely helped him in the NBA at this point. But, uh, 
with with Leiden, it it really comes down to can he defend and can he shoot? Because he's not going to be a a guy who's doing a lot of creation off of the dribble. He's not going to be a guy who's nope. doing a lot of passing. He's not going to be a guy who's like I mean, he can be a little bit of a weak side rim protector, but he's not going to be a front side rim protector. That's for no. sure. Yeah. Uh, so he had a seven percent block rate in his freshman year, which is really good. Uh, he also it dropped to four point seven, I think, in his sophomore year with a larger role. So, but again, he was playing thirty six minutes per game uh, at the college level. So he is an uh, Iron can, Man, that's for sure. You, you can understand it. Well, if I move uh, like a swath, so, I could be Iron Man too. No, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, can he be a Ryan Anderson type? It it really just depends on the shooting. Uh, I think his free throw percentage translates pretty well. Probably not as well as a guy like Ryan Anderson, but hey, I mean, you never know. Uh, Ryan Anderson was a 84% free point free throw shooter, and Tyler Lydon was a uh, 80% free th- or 81% free throw shooter. So they're pretty, pretty close. close. Pretty close. So if you can get a guy like Tyler Lydon to shoot 40% from three at the power forward position, then he becomes immensely valuable. He probably gets up to about the sixth or seventh man off of the bench it, and at the 24th pick that's pretty good right. i'm not really going to complain right. from that uh on a team like denver it becomes a little bit less valuable i guess because there are so many guys that are going to get easy shots and you don't necessarily need a guy who's gonna make the well i mean yes you do but not necessarily the sixth or seventh man off the bench uh but I, I could live with that. I can live with, again, as I said in my article, I can live with each of these decisions that they made in a vacuum. Right. Uh, it's yeah. hard when you put them all together that it, it becomes a little bit more confusing. Yeah, and I think I think that's kind of the consensus uh, everybody's feeling is exactly like, I, there's no, I got nothing against Trey Lyles or Tyler Lighton. I think they're both, uh, I, can, I can see the advantages to both of them and, and what they bring. It just, it, as, the, as currently constructed, um, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, and the Denver, Nuggets, and the Nuggets what... really needed to consolidate, and that's really still the issue. Is they, with the thirteenth pick, I needed to consolidate players. some some players. Like I could either get a good player, or I could trade it in a consolidation trade, or whatever. And instead, right. I got two players, each of whom might be okay for the twenty fourth pick in general. But we didn't have the twenty fourth pick, and I don't need two players right. that are the twenty fourth pick. I need one player who's better at certain things than any of the Nuggets are now, and we didn't get any of that. So it's it's tough. But I, uh, Tyler Wyden, there are scouts who really thought that he would be a better shooter than he was, and he was a pretty good shooter. And they still thought his shooting was disappointing. Um, and so there are people who, who really believe that Wyden can shoot the daylights out of the ball um, and that that will show up in the pros. I just... Well, I I don't know yet. Like I don't buy it, but maybe that's just my depression from the draft day talking. And right. we d- we didn't see that. We didn't see Juancho Hernan Gomez a ton. Uh, we we were a little bit skeptical uh, going at, coming out of last year's draft about what his shot would be like and whether it would translate right. to the NBA. Remember, there are a lot of articles about oh he only shot thirty four percent from three uh, in the Estudiantes. Uh, so it's it's just, again. If they project his shot to be where it is, then I'm going to believe them because of the way that a guy like Malik Beasley has shot and a way that a guy like Juancho Hernan Gomez has shot, like and Gary Harris too. Like These are all decisions yep. that they made as shooters that they they know what they're freaking doing. 
So, wh- who are we to judge that? Pretty much. Yeah, the only... I would say the only thing you gotta that we don't know yet about Tyler, but uh, we have no reason, I guess, to assume not to. But uh, all three of those guys you mentioned there, Wancho, uh, Gary, and Malik Beasley, uh, they work incredibly, incredibly hard at, at their at uh, being such great shooters. That's that's uh, a common trait. Wancho, especially, man, that guy puts up a ton of work uh, on that shot, and it is. I I think he's got the best uh, the best form of anybody on the team. One more thing I want to get to on the draft, real quick, and then we'll. Um, then we'll move on uh, well, a little bit. Well, I want to talk about Jimmy, Jimmy <laughs> Butler here, but I want uh, um, the the second round guys. They have Vlatko Chanchar and um, Monty Morris. Can you say Chanchar's name again? Chanchar. Chanchar. I love it. Chanchar. Vlatko. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ryan, are you are you a big Vlatko fan or or not so much? Uh, I mean, ask me again in two years. I don't really care right now. I mean, honestly, I I did a little bit of study as especially when he popped up on the uh, on the draft express list for the Nuggets, like right before the draft. It was kind of right. odd that you saw him as as the fifty first pick, and nobody had ever really heard of him. So I did a little bit of research, and he seems like a guy. He's, he's got some offensive creation ability. He's got some stretch the floor ability as a small forward. Not the most. Uh, skilled guy defensively or with his decision making so we'll just have to see what happens he's a guy who kind of like Bruno Bruno Caboclo is two years away from being two years away at this point <laughs> yep so we'll uh we'll just see what happens I like Morris though yeah, that's like yeah no I was gonna say I was gonna say Morris I, I really like too I especially like Morris with the new CBA and having that uh, effect that they can kind of have deal. On a two-way yeah. deal yeah um, they need a, they need a D league team, but uh, uh, yeah. Getting back, but it's quick. I want what I want to say about Vlatko. Um, the uh, the Nuggets. Uh, your Tim Connolly kind of said in the uh, uh, in the press conference. You know, they they've had discussions with because with Megalex, who's of course they're they're basically owned by agents. So, um, and it's kind of it's kind of funny. Megalex, I think, is slowly turning into like just this farm team for the NBA. But uh, it's the so nugget, they, the Nuggets feeder team. No, so that's true. Well, but also the Sixers got uh, Luwawu, right? <laughs> that's true. But um, but Tim Connolly had said that they they talked with them. They were they were fairly confident uh, that that uh, Chanchar is going to have a bigger role with uh with Megalex next season. So I think it'll be very interesting to watch how he does this upcoming season over there in Europe and seeing if he with these added minutes. Cuz you remember Jokic was a very similar kind of guy, didn't have get a lot of minutes. Um and then they they gave him, they finally gave him the starting role and and fed him the ball and he just he just took off. So uh, it'll be interesting to see that there was, of course, there's also the rumor that they, the Nuggets just drafted this guy as a favor uh, to Jokic's <laughs> right. agent. So, Gordon, do you put any, put any uh, stock into that rumor? I wouldn't put it past us. Um, I mean, yeah. if, yes. if if he said I am Jokic's agent and I will look more favorably upon a deal if you do this, I would say I will be doing that in the draft. Then that's totally fine with me. You know, I it's be, it will be it will be just as good a use of a second round pick as any. Uh, yeah, right? of any of any draft and stash in the fifties. Yeah, sure, go ahead. Like, right. pick that guy. It's, it's just like selling a pick for for you know a couple million bucks, right? Um, 
But here's the thing though about that that I think is funny though is I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Jokic is going to get the the maximum amount of money that can come to him exactly um, regardless of who the Nuggets draft. So uh, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't put too much stock into that idea. I think legitimately the Nuggets had their eye on this guy and they think uh, they they want to see what he can do yeah. with it if he gets some regular minutes in Europe. Um, and if he's a diamond in the rough, he's a diamond in the rough. Heck, he could be like a, I don't care, be Ruby in the rough, be a cubic zirconia in the rough. Anything is useful. Like, exactly. Just give me something. <laughs> exactly. Anything useful. Now, Morris, though, Morris is like, uh, Morris is like, he's such a money ball. I like the way he plays, man. Like. He's a, he's a pure point guard. I mean, there's, there's just no other way to put it. He knows how to play basketball. And, and I, and he works his ass off. Like, I love that guy. His his quote about they you know um, I think it was uh, Cosminder from uh, the Post asked him so when you get to Denver he's like dude I'm already here I've already got a workout in like and that was right. that was less than 24 hours after he was drafted like that guy just works he wants to show everybody he has the same uh, thing that Draymond Green has where he's like I know everybody drafted ahead of me in the second round I'm gonna go make some people pay I cannot wait for summer league like. Morris Morris has a whole field of chips on his shoulder, and I, I love that about him. I love the way that he takes care of the ball. Um, his push and transition is awesome. His wrist strength on cross court passes is terrific. Like the guy is the guy is a terrific point guard. He's not a great scorer. He can score, but he's not a scorer. Uh, right. But like what we have lacked for too long is is bench. Just I just want a bench point guard who can play 15 minutes and not cuff the ball up five times. Like you know, I, come on. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of guys out there who have been calling Monty Morris a traditional point guard, and I don't think that those can I don't think those are inaccurate personally. But I also think people have used it as kind of connotative in a way that oh this guy doesn't necessarily fit into the way that the NBA plays anymore. He's not a he's not a prototypical point guard who can drive into the lane and is looking for his own shot first uh i disagree with the fact that he can't play in the current stage of the nba oh I yeah think that he's a guy who's going to make the right decision and when you have a guy who makes the right decision coming off your bench as a point guard then you can be a little bit more free with playing Jamal Murray as your starting point guard and and with as many mistakes as he's going to make in the NBA to start having a guy like Monty Morris as potentially a, a second or more likely third option at point guard would be a great thing to have because he's going to be steady and that's that's what you need as a guy like that and if he becomes anything more than steady then great but if not I mean he was the 51st damn pick yeah just let it go you're hoping for something you'd like to get a backup right, you might as yeah. well take a flyer on him yeah. On on one of the most efficient yeah, so guys. He uh Morris is a um no, I like him as a pick, like I said, especially because of the the fact that he's on a two way deal. I think I'll spend a lot of time down in the D League. Yep. Um but but he's the type of guy you look at, man. If he works out, he's another guy who you everything every pick you make you think about right now. If you're the Denver Nuggets, you think about how does this guy fit with Nikola Jokic? Where does he fit into the plan? And Morris to me is that guy you can look at as, as the perfect kind of guy to have on your bench as your point guard. That when Jokic comes off the court again, it's all one of the things you got to think about is how do we how do we adjust 
when this player we've built our offense around is not on the court. You have a guy like Morris, who's exa- exactly what you guys said. He's going to make this right decision with the basketball. He's not necessarily, like we said, a guy who's going to look to score first, but he's a guy who's going to be able to distribute and create plays for people without giving it up, without creating a bunch of turnovers, um, so on and so forth. I really like how he fits as that backup point guard to be a facilitator when you don't have Jokic on the court. Uh, and, and I think, man, he his doesn't he have like the highest assist to turnover ratio of anybody in the draft? In the history, the, of, the, in, history of, the of the NCAA. Yeah. Yeah. So see, exactly. I mean, that's, that is like, that's what I'm saying. He's like a money ball player. Like that's, you would think that that type of stat would hopefully translate because I mean he played great. He didn't play in look. He didn't play in the ACC, uh, but he played in the Big Twelve. That's a that's a no tough, no. He played legit uh, basketball. Like right. and he's not oh, like five eight. Like he's right. he's perfectly sized for a point guard. He's, yeah, he's fine. Six, three. He's, yeah, he's fine. Yeah, yeah. I like to like. So I'm glad we're all on we're all on board with Monty Morris. Um, I wish him all right, luck. so I want to shift. Probably cut him, but I wish him luck. I like love to see him hang out, get a I don't think, uh, get a summer league deal. I don't think we cut him. I I think he's going to be on the team. I think he's he's the 16th or 17th I, guy I on the roster. I think those two but... way those two way roster slots are going to pay us dividends. That's that's a good thing for us. Absolutely. It, to, in my in my opinion, who needs a two way roster slot more right now, Monty <laughs> right. Morris or or Malik Beasley? Well, it Malik, on, you that depends on, who, on the, if we oh, trade people. Like Malik can get time. Monty, I don't think is getting any time with the with the big league club really this year. And I don't think I don't know if it, can you even give Malik Malik technically couldn't have a two way. No, he can't. He can't have a two way now because he's already got yeah, his. He's the first. Yeah, he's the first. Yeah, round he's signed. first round pick. Yeah, yeah. Technically not. So, but like you're talking about a guy that needs a lot of development and a lot more minutes. Monty Morris should be ready to go. He played 140 games at the college level, and, he, and he's 22. Great. Yeah. Right, absolutely. No, and and I think, uh, and maybe that's one of the reasons I think he slid is because he's because he, people so much look at guys who are twenty two years old now. They don't um, they they give him a knock, but I think it's yeah. I hate uh, Draymond his Green cases, and his twenty two year old self was terrible. Like I, you know, right? He, he sucks. Right. Um. So I want to get to the next thing, the other big news that happened on the draft night, which is of course Jimmy Butler gets traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um. For a bunch of question marks, scraps. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> it really uh, what was. Did I, what did I say it was? Um, like a stale mint and like some pocket lint. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I was pretty upset draft it, night, but yeah, that that was. So officially, officially, uh, Zach Levine, um, Chris Dunn, and the. What was it? The seventh pick? Yeah. Uh, for Jimmy Butler in the sixteenth yep. pick. Um, no future picks. No crazy. nothing, man. Like, yeah. How could they not? How could they not get a future pick? Even protected. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't care. Or at least keep your sixteenth pick. Like, right. That was just absurd. It was. It was like reasonable when you didn't include the sixteenth pick into the deal, but then you include the sixteenth pick and realize that they used Jimmy Butler to trade up nine spots in the damn draft. Yeah, and you're talking about oh my gosh, they're ruining basketball right now. They're ruining lives in Chicago. And that might not have been the worst <laughs> trade they made. Like given given Golden State, like. Their, That's their true. Pick, oh my god! Selling it I mean, and, and giving the Golden State exactly who they wanted in the second round. I'm like, oh, you're 
killing me. You guys, I, Zach talked about this. You guys saw my live reaction to that, like them yep. selling that pick to Golden State for Jordan freaking Bell. Yep. Jordan Bell could be a great player on your team next I year. I would have taken over Tyler White. So yeah, he'd probably be the best big man on their team outside of Robin Lopez. Yep. Ryan, I wanted to just take your your Facebook Live reaction uh, to that. Check it out. Check it out at Denver Stiffs on, on Facebook if you guys haven't seen it. But I want to take that reaction and just like you know set it to some Celine Dion and uh, yeah, and just just, that is exactly <laughs> just let it breathe. It, <laughs> it was, it it was, was so uh... sad, man. Like it is. It was if if you haven't seen it, the premise of it was nothing matters anymore. The Golden State Warriors are going to be great for the next seventeen years. And we don't really need to do this anymore, so I'm signing off. Oh, <laughs> my favorite part is you're like you're just talking about the words. And you're like, well, that's one team that's doing it right. right? <laughs> Gosh, they knew what they wanted. Oh they went out and got it. But yeah, yeah as, as far as as far as Jimmy Butler goes, man, like now the the Bulls really, really love Chris Dunn. No one knows why. Uh, but they really love that guy. Um, what is what is the so, difference between Chris Dunn and Emmanuel Moutier? That's age, what I was gonna say. He's two, even older. Yeah, that's one thing. Dunn's even a few years older. It's absurd. No, man, I don't. I don't understand it. I, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it from the Timberwolves' point of view. I know why they would do it. Um, but Zach Levine, people really love that guy. I think he's okay. Like, I will sure, certainly wouldn't build a team around him, which appears to be what Chicago's trying to do. Um, and Lowry Markkinen. Yeah, uh, well, and that's that's the other thing that killed me, man. Like, I understand trading the seventh pick. If the seventh pick is Jonathan Isaac, and you're like, well, this is going to work for me, but you're trading it for Lowry Markkinen? Really? Like, that's, right. that's your main... You just had to have that guy? I just... And no, no, watch. He's going to be Dirk, and I'm going to feel like an idiot, you know, for the next 15 years. No, don't. He's not going to be Dirk. Uh, and, and, I know. I was. It would have made more sense to me if they had taken Malik Monk at seventh, and then because you figure Dwayne Wade's about to walk anyways. Well, they can't or do that. Dennis they just Smith drafted. They, they drafted. They got Levine, so now they can't do that. Nope, they have done. <laughs> they can't be taking Dennis Smith. Like nope, yeah, those guys are the future. Like that's. It's those things that make you wonder what kind of crack is being smoked in the Bulls front office. I just. Yeah, well, because the thing about Zach Levine is like I, the deal to me is actually it's not it's not ter- look it's Stop it's a one hundred percent it's a one hundred percent decent deal for them if two things if one they don't give up the uh, the sixteenth pick 16th, yeah. and then two if Zach Levine isn't coming off an ACL injury those two if you get Zach Levine pre ACL injury plus you're keeping your sixteenth pick that's a, that's a fair a pretty fair deal. But if you're you're basing it on oh, a guy whose athleticism eyes. his biggest calling card, man, like you don't even know if what's going on with Levine exactly. at this point. Can he jump still? What's what's the deal? And I say this exactly. fully, I saying mean, that he's a decent shooter. Yeah, but... but a lot of that revolves on him getting open because he can get to the basket anytime that he wants. You know, right. if he can no right. longer yeah, do that, then that changes the way that you play him. Every time. Gosh, yeah. Yeah, it's. Uh, I agree with you guys. It both. It, it's a rough deal. Uh, in in term, well, in terms for Chicago. Um, What's hard for the Nuggets? Because you're as a Nuggets fan, you're like, wait. So you didn't really have to give up. Like, if they had to give up a ton for Jimmy Butler, then you think, well, maybe in two years that'll really hurt them. But if you don't have to give up that well, much. So- 
So Zach Lowe came out and said that the Nuggets drew the line at Jamal Murray. So let me ask you this, Gordon. Would you have given up Jamal Murray to get Jimmy Butler? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have done it. I mean, it depends what else is in the package. Um, now, it, apparently, uh, the poll we ran on Denver Stiffs said that, you know, 75 or 80% of the people um, who voted would not have given up Jamal Murray. Um, but right. I haven't seen... If, if you're getting Butler, then the premise is we would like to compete today, and then we will worry about four years, four years from now. Um, I, I happen to like Malik Beasley, so I'm not, you know, I'm not dying over um, losing Murray. Uh, I'm not sure that Murray's a point guard. So at that point, we have a backlog with Gary Harris at shooting guard anyway. Um, right. And with Butler on staff, you don't necessarily uh, want to give the point guard a lot of point guard responsibility. Um, I could get a defensive point guard in there, you know, and we can we can work out a lot of things. Then with a the Jokic uh, lineup, we've got all sorts of we have bench shooters and you have flexibility there. I I don't feel like Murray's the end of the universe. You know, unless he turned into a superstar, but he's 19, and the odds of him turning into a superstar tomorrow are pretty slim. Like, it's right, it's right. going to be a couple of years, and I'm okay with a couple of years, but Jimmy Butler then would be a free agent anyway. You know, you're, you're getting him for two, three years to figure out what your deal is, um, to try to get some other superstars in here to turn Denver into a winning city. That was the whole point. So, for that, you give up Jamal Murray and a couple of things, you know, and then you call it a day. So the Nuggets really buy in to the idea that Murray, A, is going to be a superstar, and B, it's going to happen soon. And that's, you know, that was their call, but I would I would have traded him for Butler. Yeah. Ryan, what about you? Well, there was speculation that they could get Eric Bledsoe too. And if you can get Eric Bledsoe and Jimmy Butler yeah. on draft night, then I'd give up Jamal Murray like 10 times yeah. out of 10, I think. Uh, if you can't get a guy like Jimmy Butler, if, if a team like uh, Phoenix isn't willing to give up a guy like Eric Bledsoe, which it doesn't seem like they were willing to do if they didn't get a point guard in the draft, then it's, it's harder for me because I think when you're talking about skill sets around Nikola Jokic long-term, and remember, we have to keep thinking about the long-term of this as well. Uh, if, if you think that Jimmy Butler could bounce in two years, then it's really difficult to give up a guy like Jamal Murray, especially considering he's he's that off-the-dribble scorer that you still need around Nikola Jokic just in case things break down. Uh, so it's, it's harder for me to sign off on that. I'd probably give up... Actually, gosh, it's so hard to give up or decide between Jamal Murray or Gary Harris at this point because they bring two different things to the table and two different skill sets and two different timelines, to be frank. Yeah. So it's it's hard. Yeah, and I think that's – I mean, think, of, for me. think about it. Think about it. If you're, if you're talking about a divided war room in, in trade talks at that point, are you talking about drawing the line at Jamal Murray? Are you talking about half of the staff is saying, hey, go for it, and half of the staff is saying, no, this guy is, we still think is, a, is going to be a star in this league? Well, it's it's still difficult. I think when you're talking about summing up a trade package and depending on what else is in the trade package, uh, it's really, really difficult. Right. 
Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, man, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll go, I'll go back and forth uh, on whether or not I would give up Jamal Murray for Jimmy Butler. It's, oh, in a lot of ways, you can probably never. You, if you can only hope that Jamal Murray turns out to be as good of a player as Jimmy Butler already is right now. So yep. I think in in that sense, you you kind of have to go for it. Um, even though I really like Jamal. Um, but tell you what, I want to get into. I want to. I want to keep on on these trade talks. But um, we're gonna take. We'll take a break, and then I want to. When we come back, I want to get into the Kevin Love rumor that's just started today. Um, so uh, we will. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We've all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate, and he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number, as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. Stiffs here. I want to tell you about one of my favorite artists from right here in Denver, Colorado, and that's Porter Laurie. You're listening to his single, Escape My Skin, right now, and if you're liking what you're hearing, his album, Hell or High Water, is available on iTunes. Also, you can check out his website, porterlaurie.format.com. That's P O R T E R L O R I dot format.com. Give him a listen. Blackburn and Gordon Gross. Just before the break, we were talking about you know, we talked about the draft night and 
and everything that went on there, and then uh, uh, Jimmy Butler and, and the trade that went down, and then kind of what we were talking, we were talking a little bit about the Nuggets and what, what kind of package they might have been giving um, for Jimmy Butler, and then so I want to go, I want to keep on the trade thing, I want to talk about now, just today we find out that, that the, it sounds like this was happening during, tra- during the draft night, the Nuggets were talking with Cleveland and with Indiana about a three-way deal that would have ended up with Paul George going to the Cavaliers, uh, Kevin Love coming to the Nuggets, and then the Nuggets sending out a package of, of players and possibly picks um, and, and to either Cleveland or Indiana, assumingly most to Indiana, um, to uh, to kind of to finish out that deal. Uh, Chris Haynes from ESPN, I think, said that Kenneth Freed would have been part of it. He would have been going back to Cleveland. It's pretty easy to work out, I think, to me, the framework. Um, you know, if you, like, we you get sent Kenneth Freed to Cleveland, you're sending some combination of um, either veteran guys like Wilson Chandler um, or, or Will Barton, along with, with prospect guys like Moutier or Harris, or uh, it seems like Jamal Murray is off the board for the Nuggets, but then, um, you know, obviously you got, you got Tyler Lydon now, you've got Malik Beasley, you got Wancho Hernan Gomez, you got a lot of young prospects so you can, with some so those kind of guys kind of going back then um, to Indiana. Ryan, he's assuming the Nuggets can pull it off. What do you think of Kevin Love? Is that a good fit here in Denver? Well, is he a star? Yes. People need yep. to get past that right now. Kevin Love is a star. Stop stop arguing with me. I know you are. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Love is a star, and he also fits really, really, really well offensively with Nikola Jokic. Yes, he does. Yep. In that he can space the floor from three. He can also post up. He can play all three levels of the offense, just as Nikola Jokic can play all three levels of the offense. He can play with the ball. He can play without the ball. And he's not a selfish player in that he can and will demand the basketball like some other guys might jimmy butler for one uh i i think that kevin love would be a great fit offensively but then you start talking about the defensive fit and well i mean you can't uh you can't get past the fact that a Nikola Jokic kevin love defensive combo is probably going to uh blow over uh, in terms of uh in terms of stopping people so on, on one hand, it's great offensively. On the other hand, it's poor defensively. Uh, I don't think that that necessarily means it's because Kevin Love is a bad defender, but he's just not what they need as a defender next to Nikola Jokic. Yeah, I, I agree 100% there, and that, that's, that's exactly my thoughts too. Is I think Kevin Love is a decent defender, but he's not a rim protector, which is, is what you need uh, for Nikola Jokic next to Nikola Jokic in combination with the Nuggets currently you have right now in terms of perimeter defense. You can sell me on Kevin Love and Nikola Jokic uh, together if you've got three uh, elite defenders next to them, which are, you know, obviously your, your, your guys covering your perimeter um, who can deny penetration. Because you're not, nobody, Kevin Love and Nikola Jokic aren't making up for anybody's mistakes out there at the perimeter. If somebody gets beat out there, they're going to have a pretty easy time getting to the basket with those two guys uh, in the Nuggets front court. Um, I think Kevin Love is, uh, I mean, he's a decent, he can defend, he can defend power forwards, he can defend in the post, he can, um, he can defend out to, out to the perimeter. 
not there's not too many power forwards out there that are going to beat him with quickness. I think uh, he he put and if he puts forth the effort and the hustle like we saw in the finals, I mean the guy he's he's pretty tough. But like you said, Ryan, he doesn't fit that that type of defense doesn't really fit what the Nuggets need because um, like I've been saying, like they don't have they don't have the perimeter defense. Gordon, what do you think about Kevin Love if you were to come to the Nuggets? I think we should have drafted Jordan Bell in the draft then, and uh, <laughs> right. that would have been a really and good. And Obi and... That would have been very useful to us. Um, right. But yeah, I, I think the Nuggets have struck out on Paul George, which they tried for a couple of times. They struck out on Jimmy Butler, which they've tried for a couple of times. And mm-hmm. I think they're basically down to. Blake Griffin or Kevin Love, and those are basically the same guy, but Kevin Love's going to be... Or Paul some... Millsap. Uh, Paul Millsap's the other guy. So those would be your three power yeah. forwards that you're trying to get. Um, yeah. Of the three of them, I mean, Millsap's, what, four years older? So, yep. you know, you have that to consider. Um, he's also going to be... He's the best defender, though. He is the best defender. Um, so your question is, who can you add? What can you do? But I think that the Nuggets have to feel like they have to do one of those things. The problem with Millsap, he doesn't allow you to consolidate the roster. Neither does Blake Griffin. The only trade that you make that consolidates the roster is the trade for Kevin Love. So, yeah, so you've got got to... Hold on, stop stop that for a second. Yeah. Uh, Remember, there was the rumor that came out that the Hawks were willing to do a sign-and-trade for a guy like Paul Millsap. yeah, so which that, makes sense now, right? It, of course it makes sense, and especially for a team like the Nuggets, they they might honestly be willing to do a sign-and-trade over over just taking him straight into cap space. Well, now they kind of have to, yeah. Uh, and if you're saying, hey, we're going to lower the bar for our asking price, and we're going to lower this, the overall salary and the, the number of years maybe for a guy like Paul Millsap, and in exchange for you guys not matching this – we will send you Trey Lyles. Right. Something akin to that. Yeah, it is it is always possible right. that – but that's what they're going to have to be looking at. So I think that Kevin Love is absolutely on the table. I think he would be a great fit next to Nikola Jokic on offense. Um, there are pieces Denver could add around him, but I don't know that they can do it in this offseason and next offseason to make a viable contender, especially with the Warriors out here. You know, but I think – I mean, Kevin Love – next to Nikola Jokic on offense is unbelievable. The let's, amount of, of pain would be unbelievable for opposing offenses, <laughs> or opposing defenses trying to stop that ridiculous passing, cutting, post, outside, ridiculous game. It would be crazy. We're going to get into this a little bit later, but there are three guys at the kind of wing, small forward, shooting guard type position that if – if you're getting a guy like Kevin Love to put next to Nikola Jokic, that I think would work really, really well in conjunction with those guys. And the three kind of in order of preference are Otto Porter, Joe yeah. Ingles, and Andre yeah. Robertson. Right. All three of yeah, those guys I go James, uh, would probably Johnson over Andre Robertson, but at um, small forward. Yeah, he's played small forward, right? What is he like six eight? He usually plays power forward. You can't you can't really play him at small. I mean, you could play him. That Denver obviously would because they love their combo forwards. Um, it's it's hard for me. Man. I'd probably, to me, those guys are probably the bigger 
upgrades team fit wise over a guy like Wilson Chandler. If you're getting a guy like uh, like Kevin Love in a deal and sending out Wilson Chandler, then those are the only three guys that I think would make it worth it from the small forward perspective. Uh, but again, I guess we'll touch more on that later. Right. Well, and I yeah, getting. I just keep thinking, like for Kevin Love, the, my problem is I I said this you know off podcast, but I because it would be going to Indiana, and Gary Harris is Mister Indiana, like that that was he that's where he's from. He's uh, Indiana loves their local guys. Um, they can sell that to their fan base. Um, he's about to get paid, so it clears up some salary for Denver, you know, going forward. Yeah. And it, I still think Gary Harris would go in a Kevin Love trade, and there are a lot of people that would be very, very against that. Um, I mean, I I have trouble with it because he's our only like potential guard defender at this point. Yeah, for well, sure. See, I don't I don't necessarily think that. I I think Jamal Murray has has a decent chance or a chance to be a decent yeah, good defender. Yeah, I know well. he walks on water um, too. Everybody in Denver loves Jamal Murray's <laughs> ability to do everything no, that he's never done ever. No, it's great. He just he. He puts forth the effort. Is, no, the, is the thing that so that's that's why I think he's got a chance to be a decent defender because a lot of defense is just effort. Um, and and Jabal is also decently athletic and and he didn't defend well this season, but he also had two freaking sports hernias. So well, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Cut him some slack, Gordon. Is I guess what I'm, <laughs> what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, but uh, that I I you know Gordon, I was trying to think. I was trying to say before I was like you know they they, they wouldn't have to give up Gary Harris. Because of the fact that Indiana is really not dealing from a, a position of strength here, because they're not there, um, everybody knows they got to deal Paul George at this point. And they, now that now that it's public, now that he's publicly said that he's not going to resign with them, that, that took a, takes away pretty much all the leverage that Indiana might have had, other than what they can do if they can leverage two teams against each other. Trying to get, um, trying to get him. But what you brought up was a great point: was that Gary Harris is going to be due to get paid. And really, if you if you've got Kevin Love on the books, and you assume if the Nuggets are training for Kevin Love, that they're not going to be done yet. Right. That they're going to be chasing a big name in free agency to add to Kevin Love and Nicole Jokic and Jamal Murray. Um, and that's that's the 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 group they're going to go with. So if you still have Gary Harris, then it's hard to imagine. I mean, you can do it. Because you have the bird rights to a guy like Gary Harris, you know the bird rights to a guy like Nikola Jokic when they come up. But man, the, the the Nuggets would be way over the cap. They'd be way into the luxury tax when it comes time to pay all these guys if they're also paying Kevin Love um, as well. So <clears throat> from that, when you when you bring that up, I think it makes sense that that you would include Gary Harris because Jamal Murray, you still got some time before you got to pay him. Um, and you would assume, I would assume they would also include Emmanuel Moutier in the deal, um, because you could sell, you could still, hey, if, if you can sell, um, and this is maybe something we can talk about, is if you can sell the, the bulls on Chris Dunn, um, you gotta assume you can sell somebody on Emmanuel Moutier as well. Uh, but the bulls have already and, done their and, stuff, so I don't know if there's any... Yeah, but, so here's what I want to bring up the point about that, though, is, is in, the, in many ways, even though the Nuggets didn't get Jimmy Butler, I think that deal works out well for them. Now, in this from a value standpoint, yeah, George. right. If it's if it's set, yeah, because they, they, there's they said they kind of set the market. Said, well, the Bulls got you know a guy coming off an ACL, a guy coming off a terrible rookie season, and and moved back in the first round draft pick <laughs> um, for 
for Jimmy Butler. And that, if I was the Nuggets, I'd be offering right now. I'd be telling the Pacers, I'd be like, well, we'll give you uh, Emmanuel Moutier because there's your Chris Dunn. We'll give you, we'll give you Wilson Chandler. He's a bit older than Zach Levine, but he's not coming off ACL surgery. Uh, and then instead of moving back, we'll just give you Tyler Lydon, the 24th first pick in the first-round pick. We'll give you an actual full first-round pick. Well, and weirdly, Tyler That's... Lydon fits them because they love three-point shooters who can't <laughs> defend. So, exactly. like... That would be perfect for them. I just that's why they wanted to do it on draft night, man, because they wanted to have the thirteenth pick. And you know, once you've taken it as a player, it loses value because it it it's like driving a new car off the lot, man. It just I don't know right. why, but people get stupid about the fact that, but the thirteenth pick could be a star, and then you actually look at the player and you're like, well, I don't like that guy. So right. they would have liked to have gotten that done on draft night. But yeah, you're right. We might be able to to be able to leverage. Butler's trade into our talks with um, Indianapolis or Indiana rather and uh, and Cleveland, you know. But Cleveland's got to get what they want out of the so deal much... too. Like it's a three ways. You well, make Cleveland's sure. getting Paul George. Yeah, Cleveland. They want Paul George and they want Kenneth. Apparently, they want Kenneth Freed, which is fine. Give him Kenneth Freed, whatever. <laughs> like you're getting Kevin Love back. <laughs> yeah, to me, he's so it's uh, he's so like Kenneth Freed is a throw-in at this point because again, because like we've talked about, you've got to it, it even hel- it helps you from the sense that you just have to consolidate, to consolidate the roster anyway. So like, yeah, you actually like, yeah, you want Kenneth Freed? Here you go. Um, you can have to roll. Let me ask, Ryan, let me ask you that. this. So let's say you let's say you have to give up Gary Harris in this deal, Ryan. Do you think it's worthwhile? for the Nuggets to give up a young asset like Gary Harris to get a guy like Kevin Love and then assumingly go out and spend some money on a, uh, assuming a veteran free agent. Um, is it worthwhile making these moves knowing that you still got to try and get past the Golden State Warriors in the playoffs? Yes. Stop trying to yeah. use the Golden State Warriors as a benchmark for success. If the, if the, Nuggets, turned into, if the Nuggets turned into the Memphis Grizzlies and... Oh, had... I don't care about the Memphis Grizzlies. No, no, I'm you just saying, talk about like yeah, you can the Houston be... Rockets. Yeah, like it, how great do you have to be in order for it to be worth it? The problem that Denver has is that you know they spent all those first round exits, you know, getting pissed off about the right. fact that you know yeah we are have a 40, 50 win team, but we can't get out of the first round. So that started right. to mean that fifty win teams aren't worth anything, and that narrative in this town is insane. Like the idea that you know fifty wins is worthless is just crazy to me. It's terrible. No, I, I I'm totally in agreement with you. I for from my perspective, you're trying to get back, and you don't have to do it all in one off season, man. You can do it in this off season, and then you continue to draft well, and you find your second round stud in the next off season, or you have a guy like Monty Morris who develops, and oh, he just so happens to be your future seventh or sixth man, and oh, that just strengthened the roster a little bit. And you've got you've got all of these you've got this cash right now. You have this ability to go out and impact the roster right now. Next year, not going to have it, especially right. with a guy like Gary Harris and Nikola Jokic. They're up for extension mm-hmm. next year. Like you yeah. have to pay those guys at that point. Use your yeah. money while you have it. Use your ability to upgrade the roster while you still can. And then the next time you have an ability to upgrade the roster, use it. And the next time you have ability to upgrade the roster, use it and see if you can break through. It's not about trying to break through in one year and then stay there for 15 years like the Golden (laughs) State Warriors are going to. It's about doing it incrementally. 
It's about taking those steps like a normal team would. And if you have an opportunity to get a guy like Kevin Love, you do it. Now, is that for Gary Harris? It's really difficult. I, I get it. I get that Gary Harris is really valuable for a lot of people, and I'm still not sure that I would trade Gary Harris straight up if I can do anything I can to get it without Gary Harris giving up because I think that he would be an excellent fit, of course, with a guy like Kevin Love and Nikola Jokic. But right. if you're getting a guy like Chris Paul or Kyle Lowry or even a lower-tier guy like a, a Joe Ingles or an Otto Porter in addition to Kevin Love then holy hell, what are we talking about? Yeah, I think I agree. Yeah, you make your move, um, and and you've still got Jamal Murray, who plays that same position, who's a very a young guy who looks like he can be a stud um, as well. So I I would do it just because I, especially if you think, if you legitimately think you got a shot at Chris Paul, you you don't even think about it. You just do it. I mean, and you've still you got think, hey, you've got young guys too. You've still got Jamal Murray and Malik Beasley in the backcourt. Like it's not like we're giving and up everything. Gomez. And yep. yeah, it's not like we're giving up everything. Like you're just giving up yeah. one piece. You're sacrificing one piece that's going to be paid over twenty million dollars in 2018 because you got Kevin Love, who's an All Star right now. Yeah, keep in mind he yeah, and Kevin Love are going to have the same contract. Just keep in mind, right? Gary God. Harris is going to make what <laughs> Kevin Love is making next year. So you can trade them straight up salary-wise if you're doing it next year. It's the same deal. Yeah, and, and the thing is, too, is, is Kevin Love, it's not like he just signed a five-year deal this offseason. I mean, he's got, what, I think he'll have three seasons left on his deal? Uh, he has two in a player option, uh, so. Two in a player option, which he would be, he probably turns, I, he, he turns 30, he turns I think, maybe 31. Down. Yeah, he turns 30 before when he goes Yeah, so at 31, yeah. he's going to turn that option down and try and get a four-year deal. Uh, yep. Like like a Paul Millsap type. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and, and, and maybe if, if you're right there and you're competing and you're in the conference finals, then maybe you think about, you, 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 again, you, you have the option, if you're a winning games, you have the option of paying the tax. And I think, <laughs> yeah. despite, Despite the fact that the, the the reputation that the Cronkies had, I think they'll sh- they've shown if they are going to have an opportunity to win, uh, to have a shot at least, at very least a shot of getting into the finals, they're gonna they're gonna pay. They'll, they're willing to pay the tax. Yes. To do it, they're, they're, yes, what they they're will. not willing to do, they're not willing to pay the tax to get swept by the Lakers in the first round of the playoffs. That's what they're not willing right. to do. Or the Spurs, um, or whatever so, other team. Yeah. Or yeah, well, right, exactly. So I mean, I I think if if you can bring in a Kevin Love and then you can also sign, uh, I, I think you've got a lot better shot at signing Chris Paul if you've got Kevin Love on the roster. Let me put it that way. I think you can you can even if you trade Gary Harris, you can say, hey, uh, Chris, we've got we've got Nicole Jokic and Kevin Love. You're the there's our big three because you're the third portion of that, but. Guess what? Where a lot of teams have a big three and then they don't have much else, and that's how they're trying to get through. We've still got Jamal Murray, who might make us into a big four. We've still got Malik Beasley, a young guy. We've still got Will Barton, a great six man. We've still got Juancho Hernan Gomez. We've got enough money to re up Mason Plumley, who'll be the best backup center in the league. I mean, there's a lot to pitch there. And if you can't get Chris Ball, there's certainly a lot to pitch there to Kyle Lowry, who's a very good point guard in yep. his own right. Uh, and would be a good fit on that roster. Honestly, I think that Kyle Lowry would be a better fit next to a guy like Kevin Love and Nikola Jokic. 
But if we're talking about, hey, who wants to come play with the Nuggets? If you're an all-star point guard, we'll take you. Uh, yeah, I'm right, not well, picky so about which all-star. Just give me an all-star point guard and, <laughs> to go with my all-star forward and my all-star center, and we'll see what happens. Thanks. True. And we'll see. And, and, and like I said, and potentially your all-star shooting guard. Let me ask you this. So, Ryan, do you think then, if let's say they get Kevin Love, would you say that, that Kyle Lowry should be their top target in free agency? Uh, I would pitch it that way. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely hard to uh, – I mean, you, you guys know my feeling on Otto Porter. Uh, I think that, that that fit lessens a little bit with a guy like Kevin Love because you want Otto Porter because of his versatility to play both forward positions. But, right. I mean, I, I think you go – You can slide both. Kevin Ford or Kevin Love over to the center, though. Correct. No, and especially in bench lineups, I think yep. that would be an excellent idea. Uh but then that you talk about a guy like Mason Plumley, and maybe that just doesn't make any more sense. I wouldn't resign you... Mason Plumley though, like that. Yeah. If you got, I if think... I got Kevin Love, I would not resign Mason Plumley. That's just. I I think I agree with you. Uh, now I think I'd probably go after Kyle Lowry first. I especially if you're trading Gary Harris, then Jamal Murray slides to the starting two, in a position where he's probably more right. uh, likely to succeed, and you've got a guy like Kyle Lowry who can continue to show him the ropes. And it'll be great. It'll be a really, really, really good team. Yeah. It, oh, you guys get my hopes up. You gotta stop doing this, man. Like th- that team would be <laughs> unbelievable. Like it's well, I think about... it's it's why it's one of the reasons why I think you honestly, I think you go for it with this Kevin Love deal. Like yes. if you if the Nuggets and, and this has been reported too is that the Nuggets have said that Nicole Jokic obviously. And but and Jamal Murray are off limits, right? So we're talking Gary Harris is is the big piece you're giving up. Um, if you get if that's the biggest piece you got to give up to Kevin Love, I think you have to do it because you like I said you can legitimately pitch someone uh, a star player on on Kevin Love and Nicole Jokic as the other guys. I think I think you absolutely can. I think and honestly, I mean I'm a bias, no doubt about it, but. Man, you're you're one Warriors injury away. You're really a Kevin Durant injury away from it. It's, you got a shot. I, I really think you would have a shot with that team. What, what and there team are other guys. Team? Go ahead. There are other guys out there, other players that are going to be excellent fits with Nikola Jokic and excellent cutters. And you you've got mm-hmm. a guy like Gary Harris who's a top five cutter in the NBA. Don't get me wrong, but if you're able to pitch a guy like Kyle Lowry in addition to a guy like Andre Robertson or somebody equivalent to that and you get both of those guys to buy in and like again what are we talking about here you can put you can put together a lineup of kyle lowry jamal murray andre robertson kevin love and nikola Jokic with with will a full barton. bench yeah yeah with will barton and Juancho hernan gomez and we'll, we'll go trey lyles as your focal points off the bench, and we'll get, we'll even go J- Jameer Nelson. He could be. You your got bench Jameer Nelson. You've got a heady a heady veteran point or, or Monty Morris show. if you're if you're wanting to develop a guy. So yeah. like, look, this is the, honestly this is a non-starter for me. You've got a guy who's an all-star. You're not going to get him any opportunities to get an all-star, and you see how disappointed Denver is every time they miss out on an all-star. Regardless of the parameters that they put up for a deal, they say, oh, you didn't want to give up Nikola Jokic or Jamal Murray? Oh, we should have given up Jamal Murray. Or, oh, we should have given up Gary Harris. Well, maybe they tried. We don't know. Like, 
if if a team is a willing to give up a guy like Kevin Love, especially the Cleveland Cavaliers, who we can take advantage of completely, then uh, <laughs> you're talking about uh, murder here. Like you got to do a it. Great, great value. Well, you're gonna you're talking about in the yeah. West. Like who's better than you? Are the are the Rockets then better than you? We beat we were beating with the Rockets like throwing fists with them down the end of the down the down the stretch of the season with our our baby lineup. Like you're gonna right. add Kevin Love to that and uh, Kyle Lowry. Like Kyle Come Lowry, on, man! Right. Like yeah, absolutely. I'll take Kyle Lowry to cancel out, you know, um, uh, the beard, and then we'll just go. Like yeah, come throw down with me, Houston. Like absolutely. You're you you're in think, play for the third think, team in the West. Like I don't know why you wouldn't do that. You don't think a guy like Kyle Lowry would look at a, a team like Denver and say, "Hey, look, they've got two great big men." That will that are going to space the floor for me, and I'm still going to get to dribble the crap out of the ball, like and in a, a team like Houston or a team like uh, San Antonio. Now, if San Antonio offers, then you take it. But if a team like Houston, you're talking about these fits for these great point guards out there. You, you don't want to go to Los Angeles anymore. Like you don't want to go to Houston if you're going to be sharing the rock with James Harden or seeding right. the rain, the rock to James Harden all the time. I mean, maybe you do, but I see a, a team like the Nuggets if they were to get a Kevin Love and a Nikola Jokic as a point guard's dream. Yeah. No, yeah, I I think so as well and I I, I agree with you. I think it's tough uh tough to if I or for me, if I'm choosing between Houston or Denver, and Denver's got Kevin Love and Nicole Jokic, I'm going point guard. I'm with you 100. I'm definitely going playing in Denver um, over that Houston team. The thing is, I think is interesting though. You think is the Nuggets could end up getting a guy like Kyle Lowry, and then but San Antonio could end up signing Chris Paul, and then it's still and that's fine. If you're talking about the Golden State Warriors, the San Antonio Spurs, and the Denver Nuggets as the three teams in the West. Okay, yeah, I think you guys still talk about. Yeah, I, I, Joseph, I you're also still talking. Here's this though: you're, you're still talking about Houston. I think because okay. Houston will they'll do something with their money. That should be the top four. Um, and, yeah. then, and then the other team here that I think you might be talking about is the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah, they still got to get shooting, man. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, <sighs> and that's, that's and you got to stop good... playing two centers at the same time. <laughs> yeah, well, that they got to stop doing that. <laughs> that is true. That is true, but still, man, I, Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, and Jimmy Butler, that's a good thats a good trio in its own right. Um, all right, you guys, tell you what, we, uh, we, I think we've, uh, we've gone long enough on this pod, so we are, um, I'll go ahead, I'll say we'll wrap it up right there. Fun stuff, um, I think we're gonna try and check in, I don't know, what I, what I think might be fun to do is if I can convince people to stay up that late. Uh, I might. We might do our next recording live at Ooh, right so at fun. midnight. I know what you're right doing. Right at midnight yes. on free agency. Yes, that'd right. be so cool. So, who um, we should uh, tune in for that, as well as uh, everything that's going on at DenverStiffs.com. We'll be doing a lot of stuff covering free agencies. It's coming up, of course. All these trade rumors. Um, I'm sure this won't be the last one we hear as. As Tim Connolly himself said, there is work to be done to clean up this roster. So, uh, with that said, Ryan Blackburn is at Ryan Blackburn Nine. Gordon Gross is at G Money Nugs. Ryan, Gordon, you guys appreciate you as always. Appreciate you being on. Been fun, absolutely, man. man. Thank you for the time. Absolutely. All right, everybody. We will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Pickaxe Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com.
It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs.